and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today I am back, and we, I should say, we are back, the first podcast of 2024. Uh, Jason and I are recording um, here in December, and so... At this point, uh, we have had, we'll have gone through Christmas and all the end of 2023 holiday, and uh, Jason and I are back here recording uh, for a new, I guess, season maybe for uh, the podcast, and we're excited. This is a good, a good way to begin with a text of scripture today, as we have done some, some uh, good work in the text, and hopefully bring something helpful for you today. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Duffy. It's good to be back. As you said, we have uh, come through the year-end holidays of 2023 and now starting off with 2024 with this episode and what we're going to be talking about is um, misquoted or misused or misunderstood uh, verses from the Bible in some of the episodes throughout 2024 and so we wanted to begin 2024 with one of those episodes the most misused verses in the Bible and we're going to use Psalm 46:10, which says, "Be still and know that I am God." Yeah, I bet I bet you've heard that verse before, listener, somewhere. Maybe you've seen it somewhere, uh, probably on a T-shirt somewhere at a Christian bookstore or those kinds of things. It's a wonderful verse. We love actually the whole Psalm. We'll read it in just a little bit. is a wonderful Psalm, and we really want to kind of look at it with a little bit closer eye. And help us to think through. Jason's going to help us to do that today. Well, you know, uh, Duffy, I think that that psalm, uh, rather that verse, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God, is used as a way to um, be, be suggestive to the believer to reflect in a, compl- in a, um, in a way in which they are... Um, uh, looking at a certain situation or looking at life or looking at difficulties and being contemplative is yes. the word that I was yes. looking for. exactly. Re- reflective contemplation. And and I get the sentiment, and I understand that certainly there uh, is time, um, there are times that the believer ought to do that in their life. You know, I mean, even right now, I mean, since 2020, I came down with COVID in November of 2020. So all through 2021, through 2022, and through 2023, this just been this constant battle of my health, uh, whether it be vertigo or whether it be pleurisy or whether it be my heart. And, and by God's grace, by now the beginning of 2024, I am uh, much better. But there's still an anxiousness or something when there's a an exciting moment or there's pressure from the daily routine or there's um, tension in a conversation, then my heart rate starts going up. 
and my blood pressure goes up and my head starts pounding. And, and it's out of, con it's not in your control. It's not in my control because I can be sitting at a desk just as we just, it, this is an example. I'm sitting at my desk before we come in to record this episode. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so excited about my sermon prep for this week. And I'm thinking about that. I want to get to that. And then there's all these little things that need to be done, including recording this episode, which is a good thing. And my heart starts beating faster and faster. And now I've got a headache. But in the middle of all of that uh, anxious moments, that again, that I, I wish that I could control it better, it's often that I have thought, be still and know that I'm God, uh -huh. right? <laughs> and I'm sure that many of us have had the same, same thoughts. It's a verse that is, it's kind of a sticky verse, and it comes to mind a lot. Yes. Um, um, and that's it, not a bad thing at all. It's no, great. It, and the it, Word of God, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God in, in all kinds of ways to us. And that's so. right. And, and I would say that it's the right thought, and then certainly we can understand that, but it may not be the right verse that would apply to that thought. For example, here's a verse from the New Testament that might be more suitable. And it's from Philippians 4, as a 6 and 7. And, and you know this verse. It's, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. To me, that, that says um, you don't have to be anxious. You can pray. It's actually a command not to be. Right. Don't be anxious for anything. That's because right. Because it's, it's because we know who God is and what he's done for us. Therefore, do not be anxious. That's right. And so I don't know, you know, I've, I've tried to work through this and think about it because I don't know that it's a sinful anxiousness it, because sometimes it's just a, an excitement. It's, a, it's an event. It's a, the, the anticipation of something. Then it, my heart has just had some kind of switch that is flipped in it that that's what happens when there's a, an emotionally charged moment. So this idea of being still and knowing God uh, certainly is, is something that I've thought about for the last three years. And so now as we come into this new year and we're able to come to this episode, uh, maybe we can get some clarity on the verse and what exactly yeah. it means. Yeah, there, uh, as we were preparing this, there was one thing that kind of kept rolling through my mind. Uh, I mentioned this to you before we recorded, but it, I think this is a classic case of uh, as we think about Psalm 4610, it's a right doctrine from the wrong text. Exactly. Our, our minds are saturated in Scripture. Um, we very well probably ought to be pulling more from the Philippians text that you, read, that you just read. Wonderful text for us. Um, important text for Christians. But Psalm 4610, we kind of import a meaning into it. Because we know all of Scripture, we know who God is, and this verse, it's oh, it, this is what it must mean, right? Right, right. And so uh, we're going to get into that in just a minute. Right. So let me say this about the psalm. Um, it is the inspiration for one of our most wonderful um, hymns of the faith. And I want you to talk about that, Duffy, but let me read the psalm, 
and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. This is Psalm 46, 11 verses, and then you talk about the song that it yes. inspired, and then we'll go through the verses. That and we'll, sounds we'll, great. We'll, we'll try to do it within a, a reasonable time, obviously. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our Fortress. What a powerful text. Now, this psalm will preach. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. And it will uh, also sing. And it will sing. And uh, in the 1500s, Martin Luther penned uh, one of the most famous hymns that's ever been written uh, by a Protestant. And it's, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I used to be able to pronounce and have memorized the German title of that. <laughs> he wrote that in German. Um but verse two, we're gonna we're gonna use verse two of Luther's hymn, um, and it just, in my opinion, it captures the sense of this whole psalm, and kind of frames it for us uh, to think about it from a Christian point of view. At particularly um, verses eight through eleven, the second or the the last portion of Psalm forty six. So let me read this really quickly. This is verse two of "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? You ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And what Luther's hymn does is frame Psalm 46, the concept and the theological emphasis of Psalm 46 is saying that the man, uh, the man of God's own choosing, the Lord of hosts, this is Christ Jesus himself. And he's drawing from texts like 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation chapter 1, chapter 19, and all of these texts he's Uh, reading this psalm and and applying this, if you will, or interpreting this psalm uh, as Christ is the Lord. He is the great warrior king of sorts. He fights for his people. And so I'll stop there. Jason, you jump us into Psalm 46 and kind of walk us through this. Well, let's talk about the way that the the writer has penned this is given a, a definite confirmation of God's faithfulness to his people, how he is a refuge, he is a strength, he is an inexhaustible supply, he's an invincible ruler, leader. Uh, We don't know the exact context or background for the writing of the psalm, but it seems to be, um, have some 
background in that there was a victory over an enemy. Uh, perhaps it was, uh, as some commentators have suggested, it was a victory during Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's reign, or it could have been a, another time. But we don't know exactly. But it certainly seems to give the place of God's rescuing, his help, his strength, his power over enemies. And so the writer begins there in verses 1 through 3, and he talks about God being our immovable refuge. That is, he is uh, all-powerful. He is all-present. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Trouble is the idea of being squeezed into a place from all sides, and there's no escape, and the pressure and the intensity of that squeezing is great. How does one get out of that? And God is a all-powerful strength, but also a, an all-powerful or ever-present, I should say, help in time of trouble. And so notice if you're looking at the psalm, if you have a copy of your scripture before you, that in beginning there in verses 2 and 3, there's this description of this um, confusion the earth is moving the mountains are falling the the sea is roaring the the mountains quake it, it's as if the whole earth is coming apart at the seams and in the midst of that it says in verse 2 the writer says we will not fear even though there's all of this uh, calamity and uh, uncertainty and trembling and swelling and um, the water's roaring. We will not fear. Why? Because God is that ever-powerful help and that ever-present help in times like this. And then beginning there in verses 4 through 7, I think we can see that um, the emphasis is on God's constant supply, uh, his inexhaustible um, resources. And so we are referenced here to the river whose streams make glad the city of God. We don't know exactly what the writer might have been talking about, but I think it's a metaphor for, again, God's inexhaustible, uh, inexhaustible supply. He satisfies his people. He sustains his people. He saves his people. He is living and ruling and providing from his holy habitation. He's in the midst of his people. He's in the midst of the city. And no matter what uh, is happening around, with all of this confusion, this turmoil, the mountains being moved, the sea foaming and raging, God is in the middle of his people providing and sustaining. And the Lord is with us. That's the end of that section, verse 7 the Lord is, again, described as being that ever-present help or that very present help, even in the midst of all of this turmoil. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but the Lord is controlling all that is happening. And his people are protected and provided for. And then the last of the psalm, verses 8 through 11, I think we see this idea of God being this invincible ruler. Uh, we are invited 
as the reader to behold the works of the Lord because he has brought desolation on the earth. The enemies of God thought that they could rule and that they could overthrow God. But he makes wars cease. He causes the enemies of God to have to um, bend to his will, which is peace. He breaks the bow of the adversary. He breaks the spear of the enemy. And he burns the chariots, all the implements of war and fighting. He, God, destroys. And so then that verse that we're talking about, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. It's a command to all the enemies of God and all the people of God to recognize who God is. If you have your Bible open, flip over to Psalm 49. I believe it is just a couple of Psalms later. Hear this, all people, Psalm 49, 1. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low, high, low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Truly no man can ransom another or give his life, give to God the price of his life. This psalm is uh, de- uh, developing some of these other themes in Psalm 46. And then in Psalm 50, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. And out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. He comes, he does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. And so we have uh, just even in a short Uh, segment of these psalms from 46 to 49 and 50 even um, it really kind of sets sets 4610 in a different setting than we might think right all peoples yes know that i am god right this is an an invitation to all the world whether you're an enemy of god or whether you're um, one of god's people that he is protecting and um, providing for the idea is just know that God is in control and it's a corporate um, recognition it's not a personal reflective contemplation that's right and that's, that's right. where we usually take it that's how we misuse the verse yes um, we, we get anxious as I even referred to at the beginning of the episode yes you know I'm laying in my bed and my heart is beating you know it and to, you're just trying to be still right <laughs> and so and, that verse right. recall, you call it to yeah, mind right yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know my heart's beating at 133 beats a minute like I'm running uh, outside yeah. uh, on the track. And all I am doing is laying there, and I'm like, I'm like, Lord, help me to be still and know that you're God. Help me to be still and know that you're God. Yes. Which this is the right idea. Sure. But, you know, perhaps the Philippians 4, 6, and 7 would be yeah. a better text, in, and we've mentioned that. But sure. um, the, the point of the, the psalm is a corporate um, call uh, particularly, I think, for the people of God, but also including the enemies of God, Absolutely. to th- remember, reflect on who God is. Yep. It, it says in the last part of that verse, because we always leave that part out. I know. Yep. Be exalted. I will be exalted among the nations. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. And let's just listen to, if you just look in your Bible... Look at the way that this is stated. It's actually quoted, or there's quotations 
around verse 10. This is Yahweh speaking. And his command, it's a command, it's an imperative. Be still. Right. Cease. Stop warring against me. Stop warring against my people. Know that I am God. And he's also speaking to his people. Cease. Let me fight for you. Yes. I will fight for you. Yes. Um, know that I am God. That's a command. Not, well, if you decide that all other avenues are exhausted, then come to know that I am. No, I am Yahweh. I, I'm, I'm hearing echoes of uh, God speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai. Who shall I tell them that sent me? Yes. Tell them I am that I am has sent you. Yeah. So um, it's not a suggestion by the psalm writer that's right. to be still and know that he's God. <laughs> that's right. It is a command from the word, the mouth of God himself, because as you pointed out, be still and know that I am God. This is God speaking. God is speaking, and he's commanding, and he's speaking to everyone, yes. essentially all of humanity, all the inhabitants of the earth, as some of the other psalms would, uh, would say. That's right. So, uh, then again... Lots of thoughts there. Yes. <laughs> we, we need to understand, you know, Duffy, why is it important that we not misquote or misuse... Uh, scripture. Let's think about that as we kind of wrap up the episode. That's a good thought. I think that there are a lot of answers to that, and you can certainly flesh this out a little bit more. But if we claim to to believe that uh, the Bible is God's word to us, and it is true, it is infallible, it is authoritative, then we would, as Christians, want to be as faithful as possible in handling that well. And if you have ever had, listener, if you've ever had someone misquote you or misrepresent you and something that you said and use it against you or use it inappropriately, you know exactly what this is being, what's being communicated here. And so how much more so um, God, who is the infinite creator, God, uh, the triune uh, savior, all of these other names, the Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, how, uh, how much more careful ought we be when we are um, utilizing God's word, um, not as a, a trite statement on a coffee mug. And th- there may be a place for that as an encouragement, but this particular situation, we really ought to be careful about how we view the word of God, how we interpret it, and how we apply it to our lives. Jason, I'm sure you can add a little bit more to that. Well, you know, I think about Paul's writing to Timothy, and he charges Timothy... Um, as Paul's coming to the end of his life with this, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. So Paul doesn't say, Timothy, I want you to do a lot of um, programs. I want you to do a lot of, um, you know, church um, building kind of projects. Um, the way that we're going to get through um, the Christian life is the Word of God. So then, therefore, it requires us, and, and Paul even says to Timothy, you need to handle it accurately. You need to make sure, and Paul really insisted that he handle it in such a way that it deserves and that it will be a powerful weapon. And if we start misquoting and misusing um, not rightly handling the word of truth, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, then we will... Um, it won't be profitable no. if we're mishandling it. Right. And I think that's the balance that we have to strike. If right. we just read the Bible 
and then just jump to an interpretation or jump to an application, we have the danger of mishandling the Word of God, and therefore the Word of God will not be profitable to us as it's been designed to be. Right. So too many times we just um, superficially read or we partially read, and so we get an insufficient um, understanding, and then we make application in ways in which the Bible never intended for that verse or that text to be applied. Sure. And, and that's what causes a lot of confusion, misunderstanding. Absolutely. And perhaps without going too much deeper into it, um, Duffy, we could we could refer people back to 2023. We did several episodes in which um, Tyler Milliken, um, w- who was at our church throughout the year of Correct. 2023, yep. he did several episodes on hermeneutics, mm-hmm. that is, um, the science of interpretation um, for the scripture. Because there are rules. You have to know what's the context. The, the, the reading of scripture is what does this immediately say to me? It's not that. Yep. It is uh, what did Paul intend uh, or the writer of this book intend for the original audience? And then we have to have geographical understanding. We have to have understanding of what's going on in society. Um, we have to have understanding of what's going uh, re- uh, religiously at the time of the writing. I mean, there are rules. Just like today, if, if you and I got in our car, we left the parking lot of Believers Baptist Church and got on Highway 19, which runs in front of our highway, and we just started driving whatever way that we wanted whatever to. speed wherever on the road you know just started lackadaisically driving around not stopping not obeying any of the rules yep. not not considering the lines on the highway what they mean and and we just we just totally um either out of ignorance or obstinance said we're not going to use the rules that are provided for us in driving on a state highway in the state of texas that makes no sense. It has and, negative consequences uh, for you. That would likely, likely end up with our death. Yes. Honestly. And so there's there would be serious consequences to that, right? Yeah. The same way with Scripture. You, you can't just come to it without thought and carelessly and foolishly, without considering the rules of interpretation. And again, we just don't have time in this episode to go through what all of those rules are. So again, maybe you can put at the end of the episode in the end notes the uh, links to those other um, episodes that we've done sure. on her- hermeneutics. Sure. But it's important because it, it, it can lead to uh, serious spiritual consequences if we misuse uh, verses in the Bible. Yeah, and there are, I'm sure there are hundreds of verses of the Bible that have been misused because we have a tendency, I think, um, all of us, to some degree or another, we have a tendency to uh, get hyper-focused on something that we like and ignore the rest of the stuff, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing. And some of us get really bad into that, and some of us not quite so, so much. But oftentimes, I think with Scripture, um, we've all fallen prey to it. We find a particular passage or a verse of Scripture, and it becomes, you know, we've, we use, we throw around terminology like, this is my life verse, and... Um, this verse means so much to me, I'm just going to dwell upon it and, and meditate on it, which is a good thing. It has its merit and benefit. But context it, it, it determines everything there. And you have to uh, 
find your verse within its context, scripturally speaking, and then also take into account all of scripture and how uh, God has woven together all of these truths and it's one story all about Jesus. And so how does that verse and how does that passage and how does that book and chapter all fit within this grand narrative of scripture? And I think that those kinds of questions, if we look faithfully and carefully, then those favorite passages will, um, as God has intended, will actually come to life in a different and more profitable manner than what we might have originally intended or thought. Right. And hopefully uh, throughout the year, that is the year of 2024, we're able to bring to the episodes or several episodes uh, more misused Bible verses and just try to bring clarity and thought. And, And let me just wrap it up with one quick thought and that is um, this is not to be critical to, to say just because you have thought as I have and as I have yes um, <laughs> that wrongly about some verses doesn't mean you you're, you're you've sinned you know beyond um, uh, take this as an encouraging episode yes, yes. to dig deeper into the scriptures right. and those right. types of things. Right. Yeah. Don't be discouraged and, and don't don't take this as a, a judgment or yeah. a critical yeah. uh, kind of uh, um, uh, application to you. This is, we're all trying to work through this and trying to just to get better uh, in handling our Bible. Amen. That's, a, that's exactly what the emphasis of this episode is. And there's some other things that, um, uh, this I know this has been just a profitable experience for me, just preparing for the episode. I think that's every time we do an episode. I'm so thankful for all of the the legwork that's done. And there's a lot more that we could say. But just as an encouragement and as a close, um, go back and reread Psalm 46. Uh, This this may help as well. Uh, If you didn't already know, the Psalms are actually grouped together in five books. There are five books within the Psalter. And this is, Psalm 46 is found in the second book, a little bit early on. There's about 30 Psalms in the second book. And each of the books of the Psalms have a different character. There's, there's kind of a, uh, a thematic character of each of the Psalms. And the, the trajectory of the Psalter uh, from book one to five is an interesting one. And we'll close with this. Just as you're reading through the Psalms, if you, if you flip open to one, be aware that wherever you've landed, it's within a little bit of a broader context than just the verses that you're reading. And so, uh, the book one of the Psalter is really a lot about David as the, uh, the king of Israel. They're very individual, or a lot of them are. Book two, it becomes a little more corporate in nature, and it gets darker. The enemies of God and the enemies of God's people are surrounding, as we've seen in Psalm 46. And then in book three, the enemies of God seem to be winning the day. It gets even darker. Uh, book three is the darkest book of the Psalter. But in book four... Uh, and you can see these, if you have an ESV translation and any of the modern translations, these are marked uh, in there. Book four, light comes back. Uh, God is on the move, kind of using the, the, uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe uh, a picture of Aslan is on the move. His people are not uh, going to be totally conquered. Uh, the enemies of God are about to be. And so in book five of the Psalter is this majestic, we have the hallelujah psalms, we have the praise psalms, and Yahweh is the, the, the conquering God, the conquering king the, king, the God of his people. And so as you're reading through the psalms, 
uh, those things are helpful as well. So, well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you once again for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast. And we sure hope that it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget before you go, like and share the podcast with anyone that you might think would also benefit from it. And don't forget that in the future, if you'd like for us to consider a particular theme, question, Bible verse, anything like that, you can submit that to us through our uh, church website page on our media tab. Uh, Go to bbcemory.org, go to the media tab and scroll to the bottom and there's a place that you can do that. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.